I want to take some time this morning and look at a passage in John chapter 15. Do you know God is interested in you being fruitful? God is interested in you being fruitful. In Genesis chapter 1, he says, Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth, replenish. And his desire has not changed. But not only does he want you to be fruitful, but he actually is committed to it. Have you ever met somebody that says they want you to succeed, but then they don't do anything to help you or they're not there for you at all? And sometimes I think when we hear the words of Jesus... If we're not careful, we filter them through the lens of our experience. We filter them through a possible disappointment. And we might say, well, every time I've heard that said to me, this has happened, nobody's helped me, nobody's done this. And what happens is we take Jesus and we apply him or filter him or evaluate him according to what we have experienced. And if we're not careful, what that does is that puts a limit on God or that takes the words of God and it actually nullifies or makes them of no effect. Because now what happens is we say, well, you said that, God, but this is what's happened to me in the past. This is how I've been hurt. This is how I've been treated. This is how people have said to me. I've, I've seen it myself with kids that I went to school with that got hurt by the church. And what they did was they made decisions on commitment. They made decisions on sacrifice. They made decisions on going, attending, on being fruitful based on what they experienced instead of based on what Jesus said. And people, we will fail each other. There will be things that I may say that may not happen. There may be things that we expect from somebody that may not happen. Whether they are correct or not, sometimes we put expectations on people that they haven't said. But what we cannot do is we cannot put that on Jesus. Because when we do that, what happens is it now actually makes us the center instead of Jesus. It makes us the determinant. And in John, Jesus gives seven statements about I am. And as we've taken a couple weeks in, in January here and, and we're looking at the book of John in our Heaven on Earth cards, one of the things we we've seen in the book of John is there's a revelation of Jesus that shows his majesty, shows his deity, shows his humanity, 
And it's, it's a revelation or an unfolding of Jesus. It's a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's, there's, there seems to be a discourse where Jesus is revealing himself as John has been writing down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the course of events. And one of those is found in John 15. I want to take a few minutes and I want to go through that because God, I believe God is interested in you having a fruitful life. I believe he's interested in you having a quality life and having a quantity life. Sometimes we use the word quality and we go, well, if we have quality, we can't have quantity. And other times we say, well, we have quantity, we can't have quality. We sacrifice one on the back of the other. But in the kingdom, God has no issue to say, I want you to have quantity and I want you to have equality. He said, I want you to have a quality of life that surpasses any other life that you could expect. And he says, I want you to have an abundance or a quantity of it that surpasses anything that you could have. So I want to take a look in John 15. I want to read, I think, the first 11 verses, and then we're going to go through the notes, and we're going to see some of the ways or the aspects that Jesus reveals in this passage. As I'm reading this passage, I want you to think of two words that are repeated in this passage. And the version you have may have it in a different word or different phrase, but one of the words is to remain or connect or abide. So as we're reading, just count, if you can, how many times you hear the word abide or remain or stay connected. The other word I want you to think about or highlight to you is the word fruit. Not fruit cake. Not a fruit loop. But fruit. And see how many times Jesus uses that word in this passage. I see Jason. Jason, when I was young like you, which was many, many days ago. Don't remind me about that. But I would go to a Sunday school class even when I was younger than you. And I would have a lesson. And sometimes we would read a passage like this. And what they would do is they'd say, see what words come up the most. So as you're listening to this, this is actually something you can do as a young man when you read a, a two or three verses and you see what word repeats. Because just like your mom and dad, if they tell you something once, twice, three times, four times, it's like, gee, that's getting a little important. It's the same with Jesus. When he talks to us and he says something again and again and again, what he wants to do is he wants that to become important in our life. So as I'm reading this, I'd love for you to think of those two words and just see how many times you hear them. Can you do that? You don't have to count them, and I'm not going to ask you, but just in your mind. 
All right, everybody with me? Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Anybody else with me? Are you going to cut the branch from behind me? Please don't cut the branch. I'm talking about vines and branches today, so please don't cut the branch. Jesus says in 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine branch, a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruits, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And then if we could scoot down to verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Look at this. I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Amen. Are these words true? I want to read a, a verse out of the Passion Translation, and you may have that in your notes. Verse, chapter, uh, verse 2 of this chapter, the Greek, one of the phrases when he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. In the Passion Translation, it reads, he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting up and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. And when you look at the, the Greek and, and the word that for take away or to lift up, the main definition or the first definition of that is to build or to lift up, to carry that burden. So what I find amazing about this is Jesus, God, because Jesus is God, is interested in you bearing fruit. Not only that, but if you're not bearing fruit, he comes to you as the vine dresser, the father, and he lifts you up 
so that you won't be on the ground, but that you'll be lifted up and that you will be able to bear fruit. What a picture of a compassionate father, vine dresser. That he comes and he looks and he inspects his vine and he says, oh, here's a branch laying down getting muddied from the rain and everything else and he lifts it up so that it would bear fruit. Not only that, but the next verse where he says, you're already clean. That word clean is the same word that's used for the word in, chapter, in verse 2 where it talks about pruning. And he says, you're already clean. How are you clean? Anybody want to stick out your neck and say how we're clean? By the word. Jesus spoke the word, and he says, you're clean because of the word that I've said over you. And yes, you're clean by the blood as well. The blood cleanses us. And Jesus is saying here that the pruning is the cleaning that the Father does and he actually washes us by his word. You cannot live a productive life apart from Jesus. You cannot live a productive life apart from Jesus. He says it right here. He says, for without me, you can do nothing. Jesus is not a factor in the equation. Jesus is the most important person in my life. So I want to show you a few things about what happens through abiding or through connection. Fruit happens. Fruit happens. To see heaven on earth, to see on earth what it is in heaven, requires us to stay connected. For us to take what we see in heaven and say, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, so in heaven I see that, Lord, I want to see that here, that involves a connection, an active connecting with the Father. You might think this is a simple passage, but Jesus didn't have a problem explaining it and sharing it with his disciples. I cannot stress to you enough of what it means to stay connected with God. Can I throw something out at you? If you're fighting with your wife or you're fighting with your husband, come to church. Stay connected. You say, well, but do you realize what we're fighting about? You know, God does. He heard what you said. In fact, he actually knew what you're thinking. So you only said this much, but you were thinking that. And you know what? He still loves you. 
we have this, I've, I've experienced it too. Oh, I, I, I messed up this week. I said words I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have done. I, I wasn't an example of a believer. Therefore, I am not worthy and I'm going to stay home. That is the time that you need to get to church. Stay connected. Stay connected. I look forward to the days when we come to church and even though we might not have it all together, we come to church to see the one who has it all together. And we meet together and we might be struggling with this, we might be struggling with that, but we love each other, care for each other, and we support each other so that we see each other grow and have fruit in our life. Do not, if you're fighting, if you've got a bad habit and you made some mistakes this week and you thought, man, I thought I was over it, come to church. Don't beat yourself up and say, I'm not worthy, God doesn't love me, therefore I'm not coming. Instead say, I need him more than ever before and I'm coming to him. Because he washes me clean by his word. He cleanses me and he wants me to be a vine that brings forth fruit. What's interesting, I, I, I started looking at pictures of the vine. A properly cared for vine has the root come up or the stem come up, the branches. And do you know where the fruit comes? The fruit comes and it hangs from it. Now think about this. It's easy to pick the fruit because it's highly visible and exposed. People around you, when you are connected with the vine, will have no problem grabbing the fruit of you and what is growing in you and out of you because it's right there exposed for them. In fact... I'm 54 years old. I have never seen a grape excruciatingly trying to grow itself. I've never seen a grape, and I've watched the California grapes. I even knew the song. I have never seen them go, oh, I just got to grow. I just got to grow. You know how it grows? It grows simply by being connected. More growth happens through the connection than any other way. Because the life comes through the root, up the stem, through the branch, to the fruit. And the fruit is actually the reproducing agent of that vine. An apple tree... It's the apple which is actually the productive fruit. The reproducing fruit of the tree is the apple. Think about that. You're called to bear fruit. Can I say something and make a suggestion to you? God wants you to be productive in your life. 
producing. In Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That should be evident in my life. I've often heard people say, some people get turned off from church and Christ because they see other Christians. I don't want that said about me. I want somebody to say, I want what David's got. And if I'm a true disciple, connected to the vine, I will have an automatic reproduction in my life that grapes will grow. And not sour grapes. To see heaven on earth, we must stay connected to the source. I've written down six aspects or six results of abiding or connection. The first one is threefold, that you have fruit. Look at somebody and say, God wants me to have fruit. Now tell them, God wants me to have more fruit. Now look at them. And say, I made a mistake. He wants me to have much fruit. Elise, God wants me to have much fruit. Your husband wasn't there that you could tell him. But God wants you not just to have fruit, but he wants you to have more fruit, and he wants you to have much fruit. In verse 2, in verse 2, it talks about bearing fruit and more fruit. And in verse 5 and in verse 8, it talks about much fruit. And if, if you listen when we read this passage, this is one of the words that repeats after and time and time again. I think it repeats, I think, eight times in 11 verses. What is fruit? Fruit is the reproductive aspect of the vine. Not only that, but a definition of fruit is that it contains seed within itself. So, if you're a good gardener, you could take a fruit, you can extract the seeds, plant them, and you will see another tree growing. There is a reproduction that happens. The fruit is not an end to itself. The fruit is the beginning for more. So when he tells you that he wants you to have joy, that's not the end product. That's something that he wants, and he wants it to produce more and more and more. You know what I've found? I have found that I enjoy being around people that laugh. Now, I don't like crude humor, but I like humor. I like funny things. I like funny cartoons. I like, I, I, God has blessed me with the ability to laugh at myself because sometimes I have done some really silly, funny things, not on purpose, but by accident. And I've learned that if I don't laugh at them, I'm going to be a miserable fella. But there's some people, there's some people... You say good morning to them, 
and they laugh. You say, why do you laugh? Man, did you hear how you said good morning? Well, I just thought I said good morning. No, you said it like good morning. People will make a comment and all of a sudden laughter erupts. And I have found I enjoy being around people that laugh. I do. I enjoy being around people that laugh more than I enjoy being around people who don't laugh. I don't have jokes for you this morning. But every once in a while, I try to throw in a joke because I like to laugh. And sometimes I don't know if it's funny or if you're just laughing at me, but I don't care. I enjoy laughter. Jesus, one of the results of being connected is that you have fruit, more fruit, much fruit. That refers to quantity. A disciple is somebody who is a follower and a learner of Jesus. And one of the marks of a disciple is that they have fruit. They bear fruit and they have fruit. Another result of being connected is found in verse 7 where he says you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I have found that there are times when I've asked things that are completely unspiritual and God's done them. And there's times when I've asked for things that are completely spiritual and he's done them. But what I have found is the closer I am connected with him, I know his heartbeat and I know his pleasure and I know what he enjoys. And what I have found is the closer I am, the tighter I am, the more I am connected with him, the more I seem to know his thoughts. And God is not a God who does not want to have you, have, give you joy. And there's been times when, when, when Owen and I have talked and sometimes we've said something that is completely natural. No spiritual implication. And you know what? Our Heavenly Father has said, here, I've got it for you. God is not against joy. He's not, he's not like... He's not like that whack-a-mole game that you play in the carnival where as soon as the mole pops up, he goes, pop. He's not like that. Oh, you're having too much fun. I saw you smile. Bop, stay down. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He is the source of joy. And there are sometimes these. Now, I'm not saying, please hear me. I'm not saying that you walk out here and say, I want this, I want that, I want that. But what I have found is the closer I am connected with him, the more I think like him and the more I realize how he wants to be with me. I have found the closer that I have been connected with Pastor Nelson, I know what brings him pleasure. And one of the things that brings, brings him pleasure is seeing other people have pleasure. And I don't ask but there have been times when I've asked, and there hasn't been a spiritual thing, but he has been more than happy to bless me. My dad, I know him so well that I can ask of him sometimes ridiculous things, and he's done them. Why? Because he loves me. He wants me to enjoy life, 
And sometimes it has no bearing on other things, and he just says, here, enjoy it. God is not against you enjoying life. Every good gift comes from above. Every, not just the spiritual gifts. Every good gift. Can I hear an amen? When I was a teenager, I wrote down a list. I was encouraged to write down some of the things I wanted. So I was young man, and I thought I'd like to get married someday, so I wrote down some of the qualities I wanted to see in a young lady. And one of them was, I wanted her to be pleasant to my eyes, completely unspiritual. And I met my wife, and she was pleasant to my eyes. God is not against you smiling and enjoying life. And the closer you are connected with him, it's like you, have you been around somebody having a conversation with someone and as you're talking with them, you make a comment, well, I'm just not sure if they'd like me to do that. And they reply to you and go, oh man, they'd have no problem. Why? Because they know the individual you're talking about and they know their heart, and they know how they act, and they know how they respond, and they know their desire, and they know how they would move if that action happened. I'm here to tell you, your heavenly Father loves you, and one of the results of being connected with him is asking him what you wish. That, to me, would be quality. That would be a quality of life. Another result of connection is found in verse 8 where he says, God is glorified. God is glorified when we are connected with the vine. It brings the Father glory. Why? Because we show the life of a disciple and we bear much fruit. God is interested in your life being a life that brings him glory, and you bring him glory by being a disciple. You actually, it says you prove that you're a disciple. One of the ways we prove that we are followers and learners of Jesus is that our life is a life that reproduces. It reproduces the joy of the Lord. It reproduces the peace of God. It reproduces the life of the Spirit. It reproduces what He has put inside of us. And when we do that, it actually glorifies the Father. Living a life that is saying, Lord, I want on earth what is in heaven to come and invade us and I want to grow in that, brings glory to the Father. Here's another thing that brings a result of connection, is a life of obedience. When you are connected to the source, you want to do everything you can to maintain that connection. And one of the greatest ways you do that is you follow his commands. You do what he says. 
Amen? A life of a disciple, a life of a follower of Christ, someone that is connected to the vine, actually enjoys keeping his commandments. You say, you're legalistic. No, I'm not legalistic. I'm just showing you how God wants to look at you and how he wants to infuse you with fruit and with a life of quality and quantity. You don't have to sacrifice, sacrifice one for the other. And what's interesting in this passage, the first thing he talks about is quantity. Sometimes he messes with us. A life of obedience resulting in experiencing the love of Jesus and the Father. This morning, Pastor Nelson shared with me that he just felt some people, not everybody, but he just felt there was, there was a few people here that maybe were, were struggling in their heart. And then Charlene had a great word from Isaiah and just encouraged us to, to open up and to receive Jesus wants to pour out upon you this morning his life and his joy. And how is it done? Through connecting and staying connected with him. I would do you and the Father a disservice if I did not show you his word and call you to a life of obedience to the king. I would not be doing you any service to pat you on the back and say, just do whatever you want. No, you live a life of obedience. There are times in my life where I don't do what I want because the king has said, David, you need to do this. And I didn't want to do it. I've had to keep my mouth shut. That seems to be the one that's most common with me. I wanted to say something. I wanted to make a jab. I wanted to... And the Holy Spirit gently comes to me. And I thank God it's gently. Because I've learned to hear his voice. And he says, David, don't. And at that moment, I have a choice whether I want to listen to the Spirit and obey or if I want to do whatever I want to do and reap the consequences. And usually, that involves a lot of tears, me eating humble pie, me saying I'm sorry. You know, or some people say, I'm sorry, sorry. Instead, no, I'm just going to do, and I've learned in my life to do and to listen to him speaking and the promptings of the Spirit. I don't always get it right, but I've learned and I've heard and I'm hearing and I'm doing it better and better and better. A life of obedience. A life of obedience. That is the result of being connected. Here's another one. A result of being connected is a joyful life. A joyful life. And what's interesting when you read this in verse 11, it says that Jesus wants that you may have my joy may be in you. 
He says, I want my joy to be in you. He says, and then he continues, and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants to have his joy in us. Amen? I'm serious this morning about joy. Jesus wants you to have a life full of joy. A life full of joy isn't always based on the circumstances. Sometimes the circumstances don't lend themselves to laughter, but the joy of the Lord comes and he fills us. Why? Because I'm connected to the vine, and he sees the big picture, and he's feeding my life. He's feeding my soul. He's feeding my spirit, and I can have joy because I'm not looking at the present. I'm looking at what he is doing. And what he is doing is he is causing me to become more and more like him. A life connected to the vine is a life that is joyful. And the last thing I want you to see out of a result of a connection is that it is a continuing, continual, productive, fruitful, and effective life. The life that Jesus has, the vine And being connected to the vine is not something that he says wants to stop, but it is something that he wants to continue and continue and continue. And he doesn't want to say, there there is your platform, but he wants to say, just keep going, keep going. Every one of us here, I believe God has something more for you today than he did yesterday. And as we are connected with him, we see and experience more and more of what he has for you. The life of connected and being in the vine is not a life that is limited. It is a life that is continuous. It is quantity and quality. And when you're connected with the vine, you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. You can live a life full of the quantity of the goodness and you can live a life full of the quality. Can you imagine what you will bring to your employer when they look at you and go, you know what? He is the most productive, but he's also the best. He, he, he outperforms everybody else, but not only that, he doesn't have a bad attitude. He, he outperforms everybody, and yet, man, he's a good employee. Can you imagine your employer looking at you and going, man, he's such a great guy, but not only is he a great guy, he doesn't take advantage of us, and he works, he's the hardest worker, and he produces more than anybody else. That is the life that Jesus wants for you. He wants you to be the best at your job. He wants you to be the best for your employer. He wants you to be the best to your employees. And you don't have to sacrifice one for the other when you're connected to the vine. Your quality of life improves and your quantity of life improves. I want to close with a short story. I went online... Now listen, you can't believe everything you read online. But I went online and I I said, what's the oldest vine 
grapevine known in the world. Because we live in a very fertile valley. But they say blueberries after 40 years start to down, go downhill. Raspberries, I see them pulling them up and replanting every three, four years, if not sooner. So I thought, what, uh, what is the, the oldest grapevine? And so I found there was one that they figure is 400 years old. And actually, as I was looking at this, what I found out, too, was they say the grapes get better with age. Think about this. The longer you're connected with the vine, your grapes should get better. One guy said, the longer connected to the vine, the better the wine. Saying the grapes become better. And another person also said, you actually increase in production and capacity and volume as the grape, as the vine gets older and approaches maturity. They found a, a grapevine 400 years old that is in Europe, actually survived Napoleon. It survived plagues. It for um, the house that it was connected to burnt down, and yet for some reason the grapevine didn't. And it, it produces grapes now, produces about 55 kilograms, which is 120 plus or minus pounds of grapes a year. But the grapes are so valuable, they don't sell the wine because they can't put a price to what they're producing. What they do is they bottle it into small quarter-liter cups, 250 mil, something a little smaller. It wouldn't even fill this much, but they do about 100 of these a year. They don't sell them because they cannot put a price to them. What they do is they give them to dignitaries and people of high respect and honor. And they studied the, the, that vine... And that region, and what they found was there was a time in Europe that a virus plagued grape vines and it wiped out whole vineyards. And it was a virus that, that got onto the vine. And whole vineyards were wiped out. Yet this one wasn't. And I found this interesting the, the, the person writing this said the reason why that grapevine wasn't wiped out was because its roots went to the river. And its life came from the river. Not from just the surface being planted, but the roots went down. They were so deep, 400 years and at that time, it wasn't 400 years. It was in the 1700s, I think, or the 1800s. But the roots went down so deep, the connection went down so deep, that it brought its life source from the river, which was not contaminated. 
And that life source that came from the river was strong enough to ward off and not get affected by the virus that everything else was getting affected by. The power that you have by being connected. Never, ever, ever underestimate the power of staying connected with God. Other people may not, and they may lose things. They may have their leaves fall off. They may have viruses happen. But when you're connected to the source, not the resource, when you're connected to the source, that life flows inside of you. It's not something you do, but it's who you're connected to. And that stem and that root system went down and it reached and it grabbed the life that came from that river and that flowed up inside of that vine and that vine withstood what other vines could not withstand because the life source of it was different than what everything else was receiving its life from. Do you see the picture I'm painting here? And that Vine now is actually in an area that they have called it a museum. And I'm not saying God's going to make you a museum. What I'm saying is when you're connected to the vine, the vine brings the source of strength. The vine brings the life. The vine brings everything. And being connected to that vine will bring all the benefits of what comes in through that vine. And my prayer for you today is that you would be so determined to stay connected that nothing would cause you to be disconnected from the vine. Offense? No. Hurt? No. Disappointment? No. People what they say? No. My expectations of this? No. I am connected to the vine. I am connected to the Father. I am connected to God, and I will wrap myself around Him, and as I am connected to Him, I have found the life source that I need flows from Him, and it's pure, it's strong, and it can withstand every single thing that the world throws at me. All the plagues, all the wars, all the issues that are happening around me do not deter me, do not stop me from having fruit. Why? Because I am connected to the vine. So could you stand with me? I'll just read you the, it says, luckily for Maribor's pride, which was that vine, and joy, it did not affect the old vine. For its roots, roots were deeply embedded into the banks of the Drava River. The river environment was unsuitable for the parasites to thrive, and thus the grapevine was saved.
Can you just lift your hands up? Just, just lift your hands as a, as a symbol of faith to receive and as a posture of openness to God. And I just want to pray over you connection, strength, and the internal fortitude to say, I will remain connected no matter what. So, Father, I just ask for everyone here that they would have an inner awareness of the power of being connected with you. That no matter what parasites, wars, and other issues may be flying around them, our source and our connection is the vine. And our life flows from that river through the vine into our being. Lord, I ask for quality and I ask for quantity in every believer here today. And if you don't know Jesus or you're struggling a little bit with your relationship with him, it's easy to say, Jesus, I need you. Would you come and be the ruler? Would you be the vine and the source of life in my life? Would you be the branch that I'm connected to that is connected to God the Father? You forgive me of my sins. Will you, you cause me, Lord, to have new life? And he says that he responds and he washes that away. And he calls you his child. So, Lord, we thank you for that. In your precious name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day.